Well, good morning. As the house lights are coming up, everybody doing good today? All right, good. Well, it's good to see you this weekend. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. And if you have a Bible, if you would turn with me to uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, Luke 14. It's page 916 in my Bible that helps you at all. And I want to welcome you. And I want to welcome all of our sixth graders, our brand new middle schoolers. They're here this weekend. Can you give a big hand? Welcome all of them. They're in the services. Yep, I now, I now have one that's in this service, and she was a little bit mortified last night. But I made a deal with her that I can't talk about her, so we can't talk about her. But uh, anyhow, she was on the front row, and she's like, Dad, I really thought it was really going to be boring. But it was actually pretty good. I'm like, yeah, Kate, it's me. But that wasn't what was good. It was Pastor Eva and the worship and the videos. Man, Pastor Jay is really funny. So I still get no props. But anyhow... It's good to have all of our uh, sixth graders that are coming in that just started school this week, and uh, it's been a fast summer, but uh, it's good. I am so glad that the fall is here. Man, I sat yesterday. I bought a new TV this week just so I could watch my college sports. I had it picture in picture. Um, Those of you that are Ohio State fans, I'm just telling you, I was rooting for Navy. I know it's Big Ten, but, you know, don't, don't hate on me, Adam Ward. Don't hate on me. And I'm seeing, I'm getting hate back in the booth. You can't enter into the kingdom of heaven if you have hay in your heart. just want you to know that. And uh, Georgia and OSU and uh, not Ohio State, but Oklahoma State. And uh, so anyhow, just uh, yesterday was my day. And now that I live here in Packer country, I'm a true blue Packer fan. And so I can't wait for NFL kickoff on Thursday night. I know the Packers don't play on Thursday, but NFL starts. Not this preseason stuff, but I mean the guys that are on the roster. This is football. I'm just, it's good. And last weekend was phenomenal. I just want to give you props, man. You showed out in form and uh, just showed up and you brought people. There were over a thousand people on campus. The number we kind of settled on was 1,040 from everything that we could tell. Uh, There were about 18 people that rededicated and gave their life to Christ for the first time, which is awesome. And then there were uh, over 70 people that came forth for baptism and some of those were spontaneous. And if you missed last weekend, you missed an awesome service. And, uh, but we had a great time there, and uh, just uh, the people at Washington County Fair Park were awesome. And it was great. And what I kept hearing from people was I had no idea all these people attended Life Church. And it's hard to kind of get that feel because you're in three weekend services. You know, there were 215 people on a holiday weekend last night on campus. And then there's this service today, and then there will be another service at 11 o'clock. And so, you know, again, it's a holiday, but there's just these many people that are coming. And so it's exciting to be a part of what God's doing. And uh, what's a lot of what we're going to talk about this weekend. We're starting a brand new series called The Chair. And there is spiritual significance behind this, just so you know. And, uh, but we're going to begin to journey. I'm going to kind of set everything up today. And the next couple of weeks, we're just going to be kind of talking about what the Bible says about seats or chairs uh, in Scripture and how that applies to us as a church and us as Christ followers. So I think there's some downloadable take-home value for, for you personally as well as us corporately. And, uh, and then the last weekend of the month, let me give a, a plug for this, this take-a-seat weekend. The very last weekend of the month, we are going to ask you to either be a guest or bring a guest. And, uh, and so that weekend, if uh, everybody that comes that weekend, we're just going to kind of do something fun. We're giving away uh, 100 of the hottest seats in Metro Milwaukee from restaurants to movie theaters to, uh, to uh, concert venues to Packer tickets to Bucks tickets to the grand prize is going to be uh, uh, two uh, airline tickets anywhere in the continental United States. And it's just show up 
and be a guest and bring a guest because we're all talking about chairs. We want to fill a seat. We want everybody to take a seat. And that weekend, the reason why we're doing that too is because you've got an invite card that came in your bulletin when you came in. That's, we're going to be getting those every weekend. There's more out at guest services if you need those. It's a great time that weekend to invite friends and family and coworkers, neighbors, uh, people that you, that, that you know and that people that you've kind of invested in. This is a great time to invite them. Uh, because that weekend, I'm going to just do a very simple gospel presentation about which seat are you sitting in. And uh, it's going to talk, really make people introspectively think about where they are in life and where they really want to be, all on this thing on the chairs. And so we want you to come that weekend. We want you to bring your friends that weekend. We're believing for 1,000 people on campus that weekend. And because um, we're, we're just going to be doing this in a great way. So you want to show up. You don't want to miss that. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then you want to bring someone too. Now, let's get into the message today. Uh, as we talk about chairs, I have found early on, because again, I'm an avid uh, sports fan, and I, I love to go, I love to see, I love to do, and I have learned that, that where you sit in a venue makes all the difference in the world. The chair makes all the difference. When I first moved to Milwaukee, one of the things I was really excited about is the fact that uh, we were living in a town in an area that had professional sports. Growing up in Arkansas, we, had, we were huge college sports, but not professional sports. Yeah, I know, no, no jokes about that. And, um, and in, even in Oklahoma, we didn't have that. And so when I moved here, I thought, this is awesome, man. The Brewers play here. The Bucks play here. Uh, the, the Packers are just two hours north. And, uh, and, so, and, and so anyhow, long story short, I was just moved here. I was at a cellular phone store getting a, a phone because my, my plan from Oklahoma didn't translate to here, so I had to get a new phone and everything. And I'm there, and the guy says, listen, if you get this plan today, this is on like a Friday afternoon, uh, we've got a special, and we're giving away a pair of Bucks tickets if you, you know, get the phone. And I thought, this is stinking awesome. I mean, you're going to give me a cell phone, and, you know, and, and then I get Bucks tickets? I'll take it. I was sold. He closed the deal on me right there. Well, from the time that my that, that the game came, so he gave me the tickets right there. I mean, I get them right there and everything, and I have no clue. I've never been to Bradley Center. I don't know any of this. I haven't looked at a map or a schematic of where these seats are, and so I'm just stoked. I come home. I tell Tammy, I said, just get your cell phone. I said, I got my cell phone, but I got us a pair of Bucks tickets. We're going to a Bucks game. This is going to be so awesome. I love living in this town. It's got professional sports and blah, 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 and I'm just going. In between the time that we went to that game, and the time that I got those tickets, a family in the church invited us to go. They said, hey, we got some tickets to the Bucks game. We'd like to invite you guys. Great. Well, their tickets were on the floor. And I don't know if you've, but I'm telling you, I don't care who you're, I don't care if you're watching the L.A. Clippers. If you're on the floor, it is stinking awesome. Because you, they had VIP parking. Uh, they, we, we walked right in. There was a special entrance. There was this place where they had like free chips and salsa. And of course, you, you bought your beverage. And, 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 then, um, and then there was a concierge type of service with someone right there that could swipe your credit card, keep your tab open the whole time. You could drink as many Diet Cokes as you could down. You could get the pretzels, man. You could get the Nacho Supreme. You could get everything you wanted. You had your own bathroom kind of a deal where not everybody goes to. And it was like, this is stinking cool. And I leaned over to my wife and I said, in a few weeks, babe, because of my skill set, we're coming back here. Thinking in my mind, we're coming back to the seats on the floor. I know, laugh all you want. Several weeks later, time passed. It is a bitter cold night. We parked so stinking far away, it wasn't even funny. 
we are just, we're getting in. When we get in, we're late to the game because of where we had to park and the whole deal. Thank God for, for, for um, navigational systems now because that saved my marriage. But anyhow, just trying to figure out how to get there and do all that. Got in there and we get in and I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be great. I'm going to swipe my card. They're going to, no, 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 no. Way up there in the cheap seats. This is scary up there. Have you been up there in the upper deck at Bradley Center? When you're as big as I am, man, if you weeble and wobble, you're going to fall down from the upper deck, and you're going to be on the floor in the action. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I don't like being up there. And, I mean, in the seats, you're just right on top of you, and you're right on top of And we're up there, and everybody looks so small. I mean, it's just you really can't see anything or enjoy anything. And so, needless to say, I learned a valuable lesson that um, the seat makes all the difference. The chair makes all the difference. Now, in your notes on the back side of your bulletin, if you want to follow on, the first statement I want to make is that chairs are important. Chairs are important. Before you think I've lost my mind and I've totally lost this spiritually, if you journeyed through the Old Testament, you would find that the Bible has a lot to say about references to chairs or seats. It actually says in the Old Testament that the chair distinguishes honor and status and prominence in a person. Where you sit, the chair that you sit in makes all the difference. It also says in, in, in the Old Testament that there are seats you do not want to sit in. Uh, Psalm chapter 1 says, do not sit in the seat of the mocker. So there are chairs you want to avoid. As you journey through the New Testament, you realize that the same is true. The Bible says that God is seated and enthroned in heaven on high. The chair makes all the difference. The chair is important. The disciples actually discussed and argued over what chair they would sit in when Jesus took the kingdom. Are we going to sit on your right or on your left? Some of the greatest events in the New Testament under Jesus' ministry happened when people were seated. The feeding of the 5,000, they were seated. When Jesus basically lays the gauntlet down and asks the disciples to make a lifelong commitment, they were seated. When Jesus is loving the lost, when he's sitting with the publicans and with the sinners and with the prostitutes and the outcasts of society, he was seated. At the Last Supper, we see Jesus was seated. The chair makes all the difference. The chair is totally important. The Bible says that when Pontius Pilate makes his judgment on crucifying Jesus, that he was seated in a seat of judgment, the Bible says. The chair makes all the difference. And God himself, the Bible says in Revelation, will sit at the Bema seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, and will judge mankind for how they lived life and for what they did with it. And at the end of Revelation, the Bible says, there is, a man like, there is one likened unto the Son of Man who is seated on a throne high in the heavens above, seated on a cloud with a crown on his head and a sickle in his hand, and he will harvest the earth, and then the end shall come. Chairs are very important, and they make all the difference in the world. I want you to catch that. The second thing I want you to catch is that chairs always tell a story. The chair always tells a story. And we see that Jesus is seated in Luke, and it begins to tell a story that I want to unfold this week in Luke chapter 14, starting with verse 1 through verse 6. The Bible says that on the Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, He was being carefully watched. And there in front of them, a man was suffering from dropsy. And Jesus asked the Pharisees and the experts in the law, the Old Testament, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking a hold of the man, he healed him and sent him away. Verse 5, and then Jesus asked him, if one of you has a son or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull him out? And they had nothing to say. You see, the Bible says that Jesus was seated with the religious leaders of the day. He was seated at the 
house of a prominent Pharisee. Now, just to kind of give you some background to, to see the story that this, that this particular account in Luke's gospel is telling us, you have to understand a few things. Y- you have to get that there are, when the Bible used, uses adjectives or descriptive terms to define a, a person or a situation or a place, it's never just because. And I understand we're dealing with, you know, the Bible was written in three languages, Greek, Aramaic, and Hebrew. And there's a translation that we have in English. So there's a few things that don't just... Uh, completely translate. But the essence of the word that you have in front of you, when there's an adjective that's given, it's not just given just because. It has a reason. And we see a few things that are key. First of all, it happened on the Sabbath. And the Sabbath was a time where you did no work. You did nothing, but you, 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 didn't, you didn't extend your hand. The second thing, it's happening at, with a group of religious leaders. These, these Pharisees, these Sadducees, these, these men that were expert in the law. These were the, this was the top of the top. This was the top of the food chain. And you have to remember, in first century uh, Judaism, that in order for your son to become a, uh, a Jewish rabbi or a religious leader, a Pharisee or a Sadducee, was the highest thing they could do. It would be likened unto if your son, you know, went and became a professional um, athlete or became a celebrity or, or became, you know, a senator or a congressman or, 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 or led a Fortune 500 company in the top 10%. I mean, it, it, this was a huge, huge deal. And so Jesus is invited on the Sabbath with religious leaders of the day to a prominent Pharisee's house, so the top of the top. He, this is the big house, right? This is the, you need to know what, what fork you're going to use for the salad, and you need to know how to work your way in, and, and how to, I mean, it's just all the protocol, the protocol and, the, and, the, and the etiquette that you can muster up. He's invited to come, and the reason why he's there is because they want to check him out, because they can't figure out who is this kid from Nazareth. Now, you got to remember, these guys were experts in the law. And so they understood the law. The problem with it, though, and and this is what Jesus will later on, he will look at these same men and call them whitewashed caskets, basically. He said, you're whitewashed sepulchers full of dead men's bones. I mean, he, he pulls no punches, regardless where he's sitting. He tells the truth. And the problem with these guys is that they understood the law and they executed the law perfectly, but without any grace. They did not get grace. Now, understand, grace is pretty absent in the Old Testament. But you do see where great men like Abraham stand before God and plead, and Moses stands before God and plead for the lives of of the children of of Israel and for God's people, and they stand in the gap. And we have examples, and these men knew those examples. And the problem with these guys is that they started off right, but somewhere along the line they they became jaded and crusty, what we kind of call crusty Christians. If we're not all careful, we can find ourselves in that place. And as a church, we can find ourselves in that place. That we know the Bible and we execute it perfectly and we don't do this wrong and we don't do that wrong and we have a certain protocol for this and that. But we can, we can miss the forest for all the trees. We can wind up doing everything perfectly right but on the inside be completely dead and devoid of the power and the Spirit of God because there's no grace. And when Jesus walks in the door... He completely fulfills the law. This is what messes with them. He completely fulfills the law, yet he does it in a way they've never seen because he's that amazing grace. He's the one that Isaiah talked about that would take away the sins of the world. He's the one that would be the the lamb that would become slain. He's the one that they talked about. He's the seed of David. He's the seed of Abraham. He's the promise all the way back in Genesis when sin entered the world. So they want to check this guy out. Another interesting thing about this is, see, where Jesus is seated tells a story. That chair tells all the story in the world because that's the context 
against how everything's going to flow in that conversation. And here's something else you need to know. In, in, in Western civilization, if you and I are out and about, um, the way people, we show that someone's knowledgeable or they've got a skill set is how much information they know. If you, if you want to talk to someone about building a house, uh, the contractor that can tell you the most amount of information is probably the smartest. Or you want to talk to someone about your taxes, a person that can have the most amount of information and can convey that to you, they're probably the smartest person in the room. Or the sales guy that can sell you, you know, uh, oceanfront property in, in, uh, in Arizona, they're, they're the person that you want to, because they, right? You'll catch that about 2 o'clock. It... it, it because that's what they're gifted at. Well, in the first century, it wasn't that way. It wasn't about spewing off uh, facts and figures and data and information. It was about who could ask the question that would silence everyone that no one can answer. So what does Jesus do? He goes right for the juggler. He said, hey, hey, you guys are all quiet. You're not, and the Bible says they said nothing. Not great hosts, are they? And so, so Jesus begins to ask about healing this guy. There's a guy in front of him that's, 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 that's sick. And he begins to ask about this. Again, where he's seated makes all the difference in the world. And, and so he begins to ask, and they say nothing. So Jesus said, forget you, and lays his hand on him and heals him. Now here's what's interesting. I understand he's the son of God, but he had to become in, in the form of man. He has the same... He's connected to the same God that healed them that those men were. But those gods had no power. And they didn't understand the power that they had. They didn't understand the Jehovah that they were connected to. They didn't understand the Jehovah Jireh, the Jehovah Rapha, the Jehovah Nissi. They didn't understand the God that was more of enough. They, they got it mentally, but they lost it here. You understand what I'm saying? And that can happen to all of us. We can have it here, but we lose it here. But Jesus understood that the reason why God provided the law wasn't to separate God from man, but was to bring man closer to him. And when there was one that was hurting, Jesus was there to reach out and to heal him. And then he turns the conversation, he asks question number two. So let me ask you guys a question. If your son, if you have an, an, an ox, your car, if you would, okay, falls into the ditch, you have a car wreck, it's, it's on the side of the road, are you going to leave it there until after the Sabbath? Or are you going to fix the situation? And again, the Bible says they are total stone cold Steve Austin. They're just silent and say nothing. The chair told all, all the difference in the world. Now, the next thing I want you to catch is in your notes is that chairs reveal character. Chairs will also always reveal character. Let's read on in verse 14 through verse 17. Excuse me, verse 7 through verse 14. Same conversation, Jesus continues on. And when he noticed how the guests were picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For if a person more distinguished than you might have been invited... And if so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this man your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the seat that's least important. But when you're invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. And then you will be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, don't just invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. Remember, adjectives are important. He's reading this guy's mail. But because if you do, they may invite you back, and so you're going to be repaid. Verse 13, but when you give a banquet, when you have a dinner, kind of like tonight, that's what Jesus is saying, invite the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. See, 
Chairs reveal character issues. Where you sit, the first character issue that he deals with, where you sit reveals humility. He says this to them. Where you sit and how you choose your seat reveals your true heart. We never really thought about it. But think about it. There's really two kinds of people in this world. There are here I am people and there are there you are people. Uh, here I am people are they're the kind of people that show up at a party and an event and they only do, they just nonstop, 24-7, like 7-Eleven, about themselves. They're going to tell you where they've been. They're going to tell you about their vacation. They're going to tell you about the newest car they bought, the house they bought, the house they remodeled, what their kids are doing, what's Johnny doing, what's Sally doing, what's Susie doing, what they're, I mean, blah, 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 blah. all it is is about them. It's like a CNN news special, just about them. And by the time you get done with them, you're just kind of going, I don't know that I really want to have that conversation again. Because they're a there I am person, Right? And then there are people that are there you are people. They're the kind of people that walk in the room. And man, when you're done talking to them, you feel like you can just outrun a locomotive faster than a speeding bullet, able to able just to jump, you know, a high rise in a single bound. I mean, you feel so great about yourself because the entire conversation, they've been pulling out great things about you. They've been complimenting you. They've been asking you, what about your kids? And tell me about your job. And, 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 and oh, your house looks beautiful. Oh, man, this dinner was, was lovely. This is so great. You got and you walk away feeling like 10 feet tall. And, and Jesus is saying this to these guys who, again, remember who the context of where he's seated. It's very important, and it always tells a story. But he reads their mail. Because some of those guys walked into the room, and they strategically picked their seat of where they're going to sit. And Jesus said, don't, don't do that, really. Come on, Bueller. Don't, don't, don't do that. Because if you walk in and you sit at the front the head of the table, you're making a statement about yourself. But if you're willing to allow other people to promote you, that will happen if you don't promote yourself. See, where you sit makes all the difference in the world. It, it, it tells a story. It, it, it shows humility. It, shows, it reveals character. And the second thing that he talks about in verses 12 through 14 is who you sit with will reveal your generosity or the lack thereof. Who sits around the table? Who, what chairs are filled around your life are going to tell about your generosity or the lack thereof? Because not only does he deal with everybody in the room, he does about this humility issue of where you sit. Again, he is living. He is, I mean, he is all up in these guys' kitchen. And they're probably thinking to themselves, we invited him for this? Because he's doing this right in front of everybody. And again, he's asking questions, and he follows it up with a parable. And so, but the generosity issue is he turns and he goes right for the juggler. He goes right to the host, to the prominent Pharisee, to the prominent church leader. And he says, and you, sir, don't do this again. That's what he's saying. I mean, I know that's a nearly inspired version, but I'm telling you, that's what he's saying. He's looking at him and saying, look, you invited this guy and this guy and this guy because he's loaded and he has money. Don't, don't misunderstand. These religious leaders of the day were very well taken care of. You've invited all these fat cats around this table. And here's the reason why. Because they're going to invite you to their house, into their lake house, into their beach house. And you're gonna, they're going to put you on, on their citation 10. And you're going to be able to fly around the world. And he's got this. And you're going to play golf with him. And you're all helping each other because you're big buddies. But it doesn't make a, a big deal uh, in the end of time. If you're going to do a banquet like this, okay, you want to invite your buddies, that's fine. But why don't you go after people who are hurting and who are less fortunate? And extend your table to them. Because if you do that, then God will reward you. And what God will do to reward you will be greater than what this guy over here can do, or this guy over here can do, or this guy over here can do. And again, they are silent. I love this, man. 
I'm telling you, this will be awesome to see. When we get to heaven and they put it on the, on the heavenly IMAX, this will be a great clip to see. I mean, this is one of those, like, you can't handle the truth moments. I mean, this, this will be a great, this will be better than any Tom Cruise, Jack Nicholson dialogue. This, this will be phenomenal because we will see them just shut it down. Now, what's the big deal about this? Well, I want you to catch this because I think this is important. In a church, chairs are important. Because if we didn't have any chairs, you would have no place to sit. And if we had no place for you to sit, then you wouldn't show up. Chairs are very important. Last weekend, we actually had to find a place that was large enough that we could accommodate enough chairs for the church. Because if we couldn't and there was no place to sit, there's no room in the end and people leave. So, so chairs are important. And, and chairs always tell a story. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. But the chairs also reveal the character of the church. You see, because how we do what we do tells a whole lot about who we are and why we do that. Because I've been to, I've been in church all my life, and, and I have had the unpleasant experience of watching a dear saint walk up to someone who is a brand-new first-time guest just trying to get a seat, and they just happen to be sitting in their chair. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. He's actually going to go there, Margaret. Yeah, we're going there. And that's their chair. The church I was raised in, love it. Man. But people got to buy pews. We had pews. And so there were actually nameplates on pews. Purchased by the so-and-so family. Purchased by the so-and-so family. Purchased by the so-and-so family. And I had the unpleasant experience to see, that's my pew. There's my Name on the pew. You're sitting in my pew. Not a real friendly church. No reason why it's running 35 today. I mean, they pretty much can tell you, you know. Because there was no humility. And you go to churches, and unfortunately, church should be, we as a religious people of the day, we that have received the gospel, we that receive this amazing grace should be totally different. But the reality is that sometimes we're not. And so when people walk in the doors of our church, they can tell real quickly, because chairs are important, and the chairs begin to tell the story, and the chairs begin to reveal how humble we really are. And if there's open seats, it speaks about the generosity of that church or the lack thereof. Because, you know, sometimes there's places, well, it's for our four and no more, and that's it, and who really cares? Go to hell. Do what you need to do. You may say, well, that's just harsh. No, that's what we say sometimes. Because we become crusty Christians. We become people who, who know God, but we have no power. We, we become people who, who've experienced the grace of God, yet we don't know how to be hospitable to other people. Now, that's not the case at Life Church. I have people all the time that ask me, why is it that Life Church is growing like it is? How is it that you guys had, are growing and things are happening? I can tell you, come up, show up at a service unannounced. You will find that Life Church is the friendliest church anywhere you're going to find. They have the warmest, most kind people. And there's always a seat for you, and there's a place for you. And there's not a pressure for you to have to conform to us. And if we don't fit your style, we'll help you find a place that will. Because we believe that chairs are important. And we believe that chairs tell a story. And we believe that it reveals the character of the church, of humility and of generosity. And we want it to be said of us that we're a there-you-are kind of a church. And we're here that you belong period, before you ever behave like us or believe like us, that we will love you the same way God loved us while we were yet sinners. He died for us. But I want to take you back just for a minute 
if you would. And um, I want to kind of tell a story because it was nine years ago this weekend that 35 people began this journey. It's been amazing to me because in nine years, the church has been able on, on top attendance go from 35 to 1,040. And, and so chairs tell a story. And nine years ago this weekend, 35 people left a very comfortable church in the city of Milwaukee. And they actually began to sit in this blue seat right here. This is actually from Germantown High School. They, they were so kind to let us borrow one of these. And those people believed that God wanted a church in this city. Dr. David Arnett, who was a pastor then at, at, at Evangel Assembly of God on Good Hope Road in, in Milwaukee, uh, had, a, had, had a desire to want to plant a church in the suburb of Germantown because there was not a church like this. And, and God placed that in his heart. And so the, the wonderful people of Evangel Assembly, along with that vision, they began to birth this. And, and although Pastor Arnett had, had left at that point, um, he had went to take a professor position at, at a Bible college. Uh, the church plant moved forward with the blessing of, of the church of Evangel Assembly, and, and this chair was filled with 35 people. Amazing. 35 people, nine years ago. Talking about faith. They had no idea that nine years later they would see 1,000 people show up at Washington County Fair Park in a sea of parking lot of cars and see over 70 people baptized and 18 people that weekend give their life to Christ. But they believed. And they believed that chairs were important. And they, they believed that, that it made all the difference in the world. And, 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 and that's always been the driving force behind Life Church is that we're a church that's here to exist with humility and with generosity to make sure there's a seat for anyone and everyone. The Bible says whosoever will. And so those people in 2000 began to do this. And in 2001, they found a lease space at Germantown Marketplace. It was actually right here in this building. The, the, the original sanctuary room was a 2,000 square foot room that went from this pole to that pole. From this wall to that wall. And there were two restrooms right here. There was no stage. And that church believed that God was, was wanting to do something, so it was time to extend their faith. And they bought these folding chairs, these um, padded folding chairs. Not the most comfortable chair in the world, especially with a long winter preacher like myself. And, uh, but there were 150 of these that were purchased. So a 2,000-square-foot room served as the new home for what would become Life Church. And they believed that what God was doing was more than just something that was temporary. It had to become more permanent. And so they began to extend their faith. And they, they began to, to, to understand that God was beginning a story. And, and then from there, the church began to grow. And in 2003, the, the church, still in a lease space, said, hey, could we lease the rest of the building? Go from 4,000 square feet to 10,000 square feet in this, in this building that we're in now. And so with the generosity and the kindness of Howard Farrell, the church extended. And, and what, what we did at that point was we went and we said, hey, we've got to buy, number one, we've got a long-winded preacher, so we need to buy a more comfortable seat, a little wider seat. Can you tell that? We like to eat at Life Church. Amen. <laughs> Don't hate, congratulate. Thank God for 22 inches. Hallelujah. Mmm, I'm feeling the anointing on that one. Anyhow. And so we did, and actually we set this chair up and that chair in the foyer and said, try them out. Woo, that's all it took, one time, one seat, I want one. And what we asked people to do was we said, listen, we know we're only 125 people, but what we're asking you to do is to buy a chair for yourself and for your family because chairs are important, chairs tell a story, and this chair is going to reveal the character of this church. 
And not just for yourself, because that's what this was about. Let's buy a chair for ourselves to sit in. But buy a chair for yourself and for a guest. Let's double the amount of chairs. Let's go to 250 chairs. And let's just believe that God's going to fill these blue seats. That's why we did it. Now, here's what's amazing. Several years later, that blue chair that was purchased is filled three times a weekend. See, whenever you, see, God never responds to our need. He always responds to faith. And whenever we step forward in faith, God hears it, he responds, and, 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 and he steps up. And what happened is the faith that was exhibited by those 125 people, going from thinking about themselves to thinking about other people, God said, I can bless that. I, I see their faith, and, and, and I can do that. And what's so amazing to me and so humbling to me is that God has blessed that over and over and over and over and over and that should be no surprise to us, because that's the heart of God. Not just that you're saved, but that others come to faith in Christ. And in 2007, we had purchased the property by that time, and we got an opportunity to be able to expand, expand by 70%. So it gave us the ability now to, 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 this last fall we were doing this, excuse me, in 2008. And uh, we were able to expand and go from 200, 220 chairs, 250 chairs, to 400 seats that are in this room. And so when we, we bought, and you go, well, that's the same chair. No, it's not the same chair. Look at it. Got a little bigger. Hallelujah. A little, little taller. And some of you are going, what chair am I sitting in? See, you don't know. I don't even know. But we had to buy another 150 of these chairs. And because this was the 03 model, this is the 08 model, right? This was the 03 Cadillac DeVille. This is the, uh, the 08, right? This has got more bells and whistles. They discontinued this. So same company. So we, we went back and we bought it and we put these chairs into this room. Why? Again, believing that God was expanding and that God was doing. And can I tell you, you know, going back uh, to, to 2003 when we bought these chairs, there were two families that left the church because we were expanding. They thought, they thought I was nuts. I'm just going to be honest with you. And, uh, and one of the guys said, man, what's the deal? Are, are you trying to win everybody in town? You do an altar call every weekend. I remember my first 13 weeks, I gave an altar call every weekend and nobody responded. But I'll never forget sitting in these chairs when one young man said, I'll give my life to Christ. And he walked down forward and he gave his life to Christ. And, and, and from that point now, we've been seeing people just come and giving their life to Christ. Over 200 adults this year have given their life to Christ. But because chairs are important and chairs tell a story and, and chairs reveal character. And this church is built about with humbly and generously offering a seat to whoever wants to come, whoever wants to hear the message. I know you're wanting to find out what's in this chair. See, this chair is what they call the invisible chair. Because we don't know what the next seat will look like. It may be a theater seat with a cup holder. Amen. <laughs> it may be more chairs like this. It could be stadium seating. We don't know. I will tell you this. In the course of the next several weeks, you're going to get an invitation from me to join me on, on a particular night that will work with your schedule. We're going to do about six or seven nights. And we're going to give you the initial conceptual drawing of phase one and also the groundbreaking date on the new building. And we'll be able to tell you more about what this chair is going to look like. We don't know. But what I do know is this. Is that there will always, always, always be a chair for you and for your family. 
And there will always, always be a chair for lost people. Because these chairs in this room are important. Because that's where transformation takes place. These chairs in this room tell a story. And these chairs in this room reveal who and what we are and the God that we serve. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me?